Uh, we won 9 0. <laughs> We won 9-0, Ed. It was Tuesday night. It's a long time ago now. But um, for the second time in our lifetimes, Manchester United have won 9-0. For the second time in a season and a half, Southampton have lost 9-0. I know. Bad times for them. It's quite amazing, not only the 9-0, but Ralph Pessenhutl is a a coach that many people rate very highly, innovative coach. And he's been been tonked to 9-0 twice in a... See you in a bit. Uh, amazing. I was at the 9-0 when United beat Ipswich. Uh, Andy Cole scored all those goals. That was uh, that was good fun. I think I've talked about this on the show many times, but I, was in, I wasn't at the game, but I was working in Manchester at the time and staying at a hotel near the airport with an Irish bar called Mulligans attached to it. And I was in that bar when half the United team came in. Very happy um, about having won 9-0 that day. And I saw Andy Cole. As it was very be. exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the uh, the fact that it's happened 9-0 is a result that's happened three times in the Premier League and Manchester United have won two of them and Southampton have lost two of them which is extraordinarily pleasing when you look at it in Venn diagram form <laughs> yes as Michael Cox tweeted for, for those who like uh, order in their lives yeah order yeah. though was uh, not Southampton's defence was it I mean I mean it, it may well have been I mean they're, they're a club that's um, been bouncing around a little bit this season uh, not helped at all by the amount of injuries they've got at the moment I think they had four teenagers on the bench and a debut and two goalkeepers <laughs> two goalkeepers just just to make sure maybe they could have sneak sneaked a couple in at the same time um <laughs> And a, a debutant who lasted all of 79 seconds. Let, let's talk through the uh, first real action of this game then, shall we? I mean, I felt so sorry for the kid because clearly he's 19. It's his debut. He's got like adrenaline flowing through him and he tries to win a... He like tries to go in manfully for a 50-50 and ends up... I mean, I felt very sorry for him because it must be an awful feeling that. But also, I mean, he could have done incredibly serious damage. It was, it was without doubt, a leg breaker of a challenge. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, fortunate for Scott McTominay and and the and uh, Yankovic that he hit the fleshy part of the leg and not the standing leg or not the kneecap or anything that could have buckled. So. Um, Scott had a very boot-sized red mark on his leg, didn't he? Looked, looked absolutely. And, you know, he yelped in serious pain. And I don't think I've ever seen Scott McTominay pretend to yelp in serious pain. I mean, when... So watching it on the telly, the way the action works is you see the uh, incident and it immediately cuts to Mike Dean and he immediately gets a red card out. And on first glance, my first thought was, blimey, like, are you sure? You want to have a think about that? And that's because I'd only seen it very fleetingly on the telly. As soon as they saw the first replay, I said, for the last time uh, on this particular evening, a sort of internal apology to Mike Dean. Yeah, um, that better be the last time, yeah. I mean, yeah. Mike Dean is is a man who loves a red card. Loves it. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. dished out over 100 in the Premier League. And yeah. loves the attention as well, which we'll get to, I'm sure. But uh, on this occasion, yes, no thinking needed. It was... Uh, a red all day long. Two reds, if you could have yeah. two reds. It would have justified it. A super it. red. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it kind of ended up being two reds because Bednarek got 
what has been, in fact, retrospectively decided to be uh, an overly harsh red card because um, he's had his suspension withdrawn for that mm. one. The P- PGMOL all over this apology, Lark, telling Solskjaer apparently that both decisions in the Sheffield United game were incorrect and the the goal against United should have been rolled out and the Maguire goal should have been given. Yeah, I mean, that that one, I think, was clearer cut than the Bednarek one. I mean, I know, look, social media and pundits and, and what what have you uh, all over it saying it's really harsh because it's, uh, it's, he's accidentally clipped Anthony Martial's ankle hasn't he? But the law is pretty clear on this one. If you're not um, attempting to play the ball, the double jeopardy rule goes out the window. And and so I was a little surprised they've corrected this. Someone made a really good point to me, um, which was that they are, because they're laws and not rules, they are meant to be interpreted. And the the nature of the offence was such that it was in trying to pull out of fouling Martial that Bednarek stopped going for the ball. So that double jeopardy thing is about intent. I mean, I know you you can't you can't legislate for intent on the football pitch, but I mean, this has intent built into it, doesn't it? If you're not attempting to play the ball, that's a statement of intent. So Bednarek, in stopping himself, like he basically would have been better just cleaning out Martial. And obviously the law is not intended to incentivize cleaning out the forwards. Yeah, that was the point so, that Rio Ferdinand made afterwards. I mean, he's normally fairly eloquent, Rio, but he said, um, you know, if I was in that situation thinking about the way the law is, I'd absolutely murder the guy or something along yeah. those lines. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, sure. Uh, anyway, it was it's a little surprising turn of events, but it made absolutely no difference. I did, I did see some commentary on Twitter, which was along the lines of, you know, Southampton were hard done by. They were, they were 7-0 down at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was it that... that- the pen made it seven. The pen right? made it I seven. Think the pen yeah. made it seven. So but it, it but would still have been a six pen. nil down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, the worst refereeing decision of this game, uh, Mike Dean's decision to allow to stop play when Cavani was fouled on the edge of the area and give a penalty when Mason Greenwood was in acres of space with a ball at his feet, like Alex McCarthy had stopped. But so we don't know that Greenwood would have scored, although he did put the ball in the net. But why you don't play advantage and then bring it back? Well, they're supposed to for the pen. It's, that's yeah. the whole point. They're supposed to. So it was Mike Dean just loving being the centre of attention, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was terrible. I, I, don't, I can't remember what the score was at that point. Lost. In I mean, the... it was. It was. I think it was. I think it was four nil. I, I don't. Yeah, well, I feel it was like we've nil. been robbed of a Premier League record score by Mike <laughs> Dean. <laughs> United have um, won 10 0 in the past, beat Anderlecht 10 0 in 1956. But um, I wasn't at that one. Don't know about you, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even in a pub that United players were in afterwards. Shame, shame. Um, anyway, so that's uh, that's minute one. And then Aaron Wambazaka scores after 17 minutes. It's 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 a lovely um, piece of fullback play by Luke Shaw to, to dig the cross over. He has created more, like we've talked, I've got to apologise here, because I've talked consistently about how poor United's fullbacks are from an attacking standpoint. And they really have been, and it's been a real weakness. But Luke Shaw has created more chances than any fullback in the league, bar Andy Robertson at Liverpool. And, you know, when we've made, when I've made that kind of benchmark statement in the past, you've laughed at me, but apparently Luke Shaw's hit it. (laughs) 
Yeah, exactly. Well, I think it's the direct comparison between AWB and Trent Alexander-Arnold that is the uh, the problematic comparison given the nature of their roles. Although it was, in fact, Aramon Basaka who uh, bombed forward at the back post on the football ramble. They said um, it's like he'd watched people do that to him and gone, oh, yeah, it's really hard to defend that, isn't it? Maybe I'll try it. Um I mean, I don't think he meant the finish. It made me really laugh because it looked like the ball skewed off his boot. But if you watch as the ball come in, he's got his eye on the ball and he adjusts his foot. So maybe he was trying to like direct it far away from the keeper, in which case, what a finish. It's a lovely finish if he meant it. I I mean, if it wasn't Aaron Wan-Bissaka and it was Edison Cavani, we'd be going world-class finish. I mean, so natural, gone the wrong way. Full the keeper, just all in one go, no thoughts of trying to control it, just beautiful. It's Aaron Wan Bazeka. And nothing he does on a football fit pitch kind of looks natural, does it? It's he's all arms and legs all over the place. And so yeah, I have my doubts. I mean, the only thing that he does that looks completely natural are absolutely sick last-ditch challenges, which he did one in this game on it, on Danny Ings. So Danny Ings is basically playing left-back by this point, and it doesn't go well. By, not the by weirdest left-back. By, by, by minute three of the game. Yeah. That's not the weirdest left-back in the game. We'll come on to that in the second half. Um, I am absolutely convinced that Ali Solskjaer put Fred at left-back in order to make the joke that he made in the post-match press conference, which is, we've got a really good Brazilian left-back, but Alex wasn't available. So I, th- I think that's the only reason he put Fred at left-back. Um, Aaron Mambasaka, as uh, Steve Bartram uh, on Twitter pointed out, was became the first of eight different goal scorers. And so that's eight different goal scorers in the same game for the first time in Man United history, uh, breaking a record from 1892's 10-1 win over Wolves with a paltry seven. <laughs> I thought this <laughs> was seven scorers. goal scorers plus Bednarek. Because Martial got uh, twice, got two. Well, yeah, but eight different scorers in the game for United, including Bednarek. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, it's eight, it's eight different scorers. That's always that's always saying eight different goal sure. scorers. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so second goals, Marcus Rashford um, from a ball from Mason Greenwood. Uh, some fine attacking play from United to open them up. Rashford in acres of space and finished kind of first time to the keeper's left. Keeper got a yeah. palm to it, but wasn't able to keep it out. No, a clean finish. Yeah, and, and look, United were doing all the right things by. Uh, like stretching the play, forcing Southampton to pick one side or the other, creating the overloads, uh, and and it, it undid Southampton time and time again. This was great. It, Southampton made a good change at half time, good for them, in the, and um, they kept the first twenty minutes of of the second half really tight as a result of that change, but they didn't do it quick enough. Um, and you know, by the time they'd made the change, they were already four 0 down. Edison Cavani scoring the fourth. Um, and he had a good game as well. I mean, everyone had a good game for you. Everyone had a good game for United. Yeah. Except David De Gea didn't do anything, lazy fucker. <laughs> um, I, he, the, so at 4-0, it's a brilliant header from Cavani. I mean, it's an absolutely yeah. brilliant header. I mean, clearly no one else at the club could do that. No one. No, no, this is a good point. Um, and then, uh, oh, bit of bit of controversy. We talked about the 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 non penalty decision. Is it at this point? I think it's four nil when Shea Adams scored, and that was I think still in the first half. Yeah. Um, and I mean, this is we talked about this at length in the uh, Villa versus someone game, uh, Villa versus Southampton. Funnily enough. 
Um, oh yeah, Southampton both times the two worst uh, CAD VAR decisions that I've seen. Like, honestly, I mean, I guess just I guess if he's off, he's off. But it's just so nah. it's so tiny fractional. Like, it's it's really hard to tell which part of his body is actually like you know. It's yeah. The, yeah, it's not. It's like it's not binary. I mean, I know in literal terms it is binary, but only to the extent to which you're able to like process and represent the information in a factual way. Sure. Like, yeah. Yeah. No. I know. mean, in, in a sense, it's a dull argument, of course, dull discussion because it's being had all over the country all the time in every match that a VAR decision is made like this. And you know, I'm I'm sat there every time hoping that they have much better technology over in the the uh, the little studio they're in in um, uh, at Sky's HQ than we do on the TV. Uh, I also thought they were supposed to stop drawing the lines to stop this kind of discussion. Which they said they were going to do that happens. and they never did that. So, yeah. Uh, so we're having a very brief conversation. Well, not even a conversation, just a reference to it. Uh, Jake Humphrey on the post-match was... Nine goals, mate. We, I mean, we've at least talked through four of the goals before talking about it. Like they had, he said, they had oh. fifteen minutes of discussion about VAR before they even talked about the fact that United won the game nine nil. Nine nil. Nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine nil. That's how many goals there were, and they and were all so- decided by VAR, and they're totally <laughs> unjustifiable. And um, Keys and Gray are probably, you know, sweating through the hairy palms about United winning 9-0 and overtaking Liverpool's goal difference because all because of that dude in the studio. Uh, yeah. Bednarek with with the incredible triple Salco, by the way, by the end of the game of red card, own goal and giving away a penalty. That's like... It's impressive. It's impressive. Minus, minus seven fantasy points. That's uh, that's a big number of minus points. I, I think I think to our early conversation about Bednarek getting um, getting let off, I think they just felt sorry for him. You mm-hmm. know? It's, they, yeah, they had him on the watch so- list. He's like... <laughs> it's, like it's, it's ruined him. Ruined his career, this would. Um... So, uh, oh, we, we looked these up earlier before we started recording to see if we could remember them. The fifth goal was scored by Anthony Martial. And it is, I mean, my second favourite goal of the season, maybe. A genuinely, staggeringly good goal. It's, he came but, on right. at halftime for Cavani and Oli said afterwards that Cavani had a stamp on his ankle. Right. Um, and right. that's why I took him off just to... Uh, precaution but yeah absolutely oh Luke Shaw went off for Donny van der Beek which was like looking at it going what are they going to do here then are they going to three at the back <laughs> nope <laughs> no they're going to Fred at the back Fred at so the back. Fred left back uh, in... I don't think he actually played any part of this game at left back he sort of played <laughs> it as a left midfielder didn't he yeah but you know technically speaking Fred was at left back um the uh the substitution ended up being extremely good because what does Martial need more than anything else? It's a couple of good goals to to lift his confidence. And, I mean, he was brilliant. He, I mean, he was absolutely brilliant. I mean, it was very easy circumstances, but he was brilliant. And this first goal, I mean, this is the best assist that Bruno's made for quite some time. He gets right. a lot of assists. Not that many of them are. It reminded me of uh, Juanfield, uh, the ball that Di Maria played in over the top for uh, Juan to do his scissor kick. Martial, instead of doing a scissor kick beautiful chest control spin leg control shot finish goal brilliant just 
just totally and utterly brilliant. Yeah, no, it was all great. I mean, up to that point, though, after after halftime, United had struggled to break Southampton down. And, and it's because Southampton went to, instead of 4-4-1, they went to like 5-3 and naught. And uh, and then struggling five out across the back and and just closed off that space that United were occupying on, in the wide areas. And, and so what it meant was for much of that sort of 15, 20 minutes after halftime, Harry Maguire was the sort of creative fulcrum playing the number 10 role. And it just, it, yeah. it didn't work because the ball was going side to side to side and Southampton was just shifting from side to side. And it was all fairly easy for them. Um, and you had Donny van der Beek, Bruno, Martial, Rashford, Greenwood, all ahead of him. And and so it was always coming out to Lindelof and Maguire all the time to play that creative ball. And it didn't quite work for United until the until Bruno got on the ball a bit deeper and, and fashioned the chance. Yeah. And what a chance it was and what a goal it was. Um the uh the next goal uh was at this point now Scott Matane on his one good leg. That five that five nil um, the goal that made it 5-0 kind of broke their spirit, I think. Because like you say, there was that 20-minute period where it's like, it was almost got a bit dull and you're thinking, oh, this always happens when you're winning 4-0 at halftime. Like, they never they never make good on a 4-0 halftime lead. But no, uh, just required a bit of patience. Uh, Mason Greenwood with the unlucky not to get on the score sheet, a fine uh, shot pings out to Scott McTominay. And McTominay did the thing that every single Rocket League player knows is one of the hardest things to do, which is uh, keep a rebound down. So he's got he's to get right over the top of the ball and he arrowed it into oh. the into the bottom he's corner. He's got some fine goals. Finish. I mean, he's got four this season and um, he's got those two against Leeds and this one was a, another very fine strike to, as you say, to keep it down and keep composed in in that situation. Um, he's maybe, you know, maybe there's goal scorer in him yet. Well, there, no, there's... There's definitely a goal scorer in Scott McTominay, clearly. I mean, he's he's scored lots of different types of goals as well. He and has... the, the the key question about McTominay is is there a number eight in him? Yeah. You know, is that's like that's the That's right. Got and it and all. To, to be a number eight, his progressive passing has to be better than mm. than it is. But I I mean I I you know, sure as as burst through the bubble of like quality watch and is just clearly being brilliant more or less every game at the moment. Scott McTominay for me is like on the bubble of like everyone's going to have to reassess him at some point because it does feel to me like he's playing with a lot of confidence and I think he's quite an important player in this team and I think he's been better than he's generally given credit for and I wonder whether... He won't be able to stitch it all together at some point. I don't think it's impossible anyway. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, look, uh, prior to the game, you, you look at that double pivot against a very weakened Southampton side and, and it looked overkill, didn't it, Fred and McTominay? Oh, 100%, yeah. Yeah, with Pogba on the bench and um, just seemed... Did, yeah, Pogba didn't even come on, did he? Was he even on the bench? Uh, I do believe he was on the bench, right. um, but uh, but no, he didn't come on. I guess I guess Not Ollie needed, was very yeah. happy to rest him. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, no, and and it's you know it's it, it was rotation, no suggestion of being dropped or anything dramatic like that. But um, you know, you look you look at that midfield, and it seemed it seemed a bit defensive. But uh, in the end, of course, you know Southampton's high press and and all everything they might have been thinking about was ruined after seventy nine seconds because they just couldn't do that after. In fact. Um, Hasan Hutl was shouting from the sidelines for them not to press because, of course, yeah. they stretched them out. So, um, the the Pogba decision, I did, like 
I mean, it's completely ridiculous now to have this conversation even really, but I did wonder whether it was because it was against Southampton that he was pressed off the ball and we conceded twice early, both times because Pogba was pressed in pretty deep areas. Um, so I wondered if that was that was in Ole's thinking and and there is there has been a thing where you know people are pressing Pogba with three players at once and he's trying to he's still trying to beat them um so I, I did wonder if that had anything to do with it but redundant conversation anyway you know had 24 shots to Southampton's three by the end of this game um the next shot they had or at least the next one that I can remember after the McTominay one I'm sure there was chances in between oh yeah and there was the Martial chance where he was through and it spanned just to the outside of the post, you know, the, the sort of dinked right, yeah. finish. Yes, good finish, good finish. Almost I a mean, good it didn't, finish. It didn't, yeah, bad finish because it didn't go in. Yeah. Um, Almost. Uh, yeah. Uh, but tell you what he did do very effectively was completely, legitimately, definitely because of the way the contact affected him and not because he felt some contact and wanted to exaggerate the experience. Uh, he went down in the box and, you know, got a perfectly good penalty, which Mike Dean looked at like for a long time on the monitor before he gave it. So, you know, yeah. he thought it was a pen. Um, he, I mean, he gave it straight away as well and uh, then looked at it. I think he looked at it for the red card uh, and and decided it was. So, um, which is again, you know, it's unusual for, for the um, Premier League uh, match officials um, board to, to overturn a, one of their senior referees like that. Uh, but they did and... Bednarek has been saved and uh, maybe it'll save Southampton season or something like that. Oh, I don't think, I think they're fine. I mean, I think they're going to have a, a rough couple of weeks because of the injury situation, but they're not not going to go down, are they? Um, Fernandez hop, skipping a jump pen, always nice to see. Um, and United were still hungry. And now this goal I'm very frustrated with because I cannot remember the eighth goal. I remember the finish, it was, it was near in. Um, and it was quite a simple finish for Martial, but I can't remember the build-up. There's no assist, so I'm imagining this must have ping-ponged around must, a bit. Must have come off a Southampton play. No, I've completely blanked on it as well. I'm sure if you remembered it, it would come back. But um, I should have watched them again today. Yeah, I, I did mean to do that, but then the day got away from me. Uh, the last goal I'll never forget as long as I live, though, because uh, Dan James scored. 9-0, even Dan James scored. I know. Um, <laughs> you got to feel it, sick, haven't you? He was quite bright, actually, when he came on. And it's a good very good finish. Like, fantastic finish. Yeah, I mean, he did He did all right. Um, he got, uh, how many minutes did he get? He got about half an hour, which is good for him because he's not had a lot of minutes this season. I mean, there's there's a good argument for him going out alone, but he, he hasn't done. I don't think he'll play anymore the second half of the season than he's played in the first half, maybe a few in the Europa League. Um so, but uh, it would have done probably done him good to go away and be playing um, most weeks. But um, you know, good for him. Maybe the the goal will do him some good. But he's absolutely nowhere near the first team, like starting picture right now, and rightly so given his performances. Yeah, absolutely. And you you know, have, with Lingard having gone out on loan, scored scored twice, of course, in his uh, first game. Um, for David Moyes, he does tend to do well on debut. Jesse Lingard, of course, scored four goals against Birmingham City when uh, for Birmingham City on his debut there. Um, it'd be great if it'd be just great if he can have a good time in 
Oh, East London, although not, not if it's at the expense of United getting a Champions League place. Yes, that would be unfortunate, <laughs> wouldn't it? He, he, it uh, he scores the goals that get West Ham into fourth and United miss out or something like that. Um, I anyway, I, I, I don't quite see it happening like that, but we'll see, we'll see. Well, one of the one of the reasons that it's just got considerably less likely that we're going to miss out is that our goal difference has gone from plus 10 to plus 19, which in one game is a pretty substantial leap. Turns out, if you just win 9-0 every game, your goal difference will go up loads. Yeah, I mean, more than making up for the uh, tonking by yeah, the team whose manager we will not name. <laughs> They're currently losing as we speak, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, it, I like. I mean, bizarre game, and definitely not what we expected. Not what we uh, predicted beforehand. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think we're going to tonk them nine nil. I uh, didn't think for one second. Um, but uh, like Southampton didn't adjust to, to the sending off. Of course, it threw all their plans, you know, out straight away. And they've got all these injuries. They just uh, their best player, Danny Ings, or you know one of their best players, end up playing um, on the left wing, and then basically at left back for the entire game. And United were really on one, and Bruno Fernandez was really on one. Six shots, five key passes, a goal, two assists. I mean, there's some stonking numbers. Anthony Martial played 42 minutes, or no, I mean he's 45 and a bit, isn't it? Um, five shots and two goals. I mean, some great numbers for everyone. Uh, good game from Mason. Didn't get a goal, but it was good to see him like looking a bit more sort of lively because we haven't seen. Well, that. he has. He just has been. Yeah, the last, last couple of games he's, he's done all right, hasn't he? Yeah, and we need that from the from him for the second half of the season. So yeah. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of stuff that happened because of this game. The goal difference being one of them. And I mean, it's very worth it's worth commenting that whilst it is clearly a freak result, one of the reasons that the freak result happened was because United smelt blood and absolutely went for them. Right, they just never let up. They were like, right, we can we can do something massive to our goal difference here, and that could be so important. Uh, yeah, it could you know, be. Just, we, we don't we don't know, but and and also we just haven't seen that very often from this this team the last few years, have we? I mean, I, I know we've won some big games by big numbers under Oli this season, but I mean, over like last five or six seasons, there just does, hasn't seemed to be that killer instinct. In fact, in the uh, Mourinho 4-0 FC season, often they they were up and, and then eased off, you know, Mourinho, and well, ease off at 1-0, but, uh, you know, to, to smell blood and go for it, uh, that felt good. Yeah, and this is this is the stat, isn't it? Again, Steve Bartram sharing the same stat that it's now eight times in 124 games for Oli Solskjaer that we've scored more than five, and uh, they did it twice in the from between Ferguson and Solskjaer. They'd only scored five twice that whole time. One of those was against FC Machidland. Um and so you know to do it eight times in the next 124 games. Uh, it, which is it's pretty remarkable. It's, a, it's you know it's much better, obviously. But this particular game, this wasn't just scoring five. This was like Scott McTominay shouting at Dan James to get the ball out of the net at nine nil. You know they, they really wanted it, and and you know here we are. We've got better goal difference than Liverpool because they lost the next night. They lost to Brighton one nil, and and it was because we we'd caught up with their goal difference, and now we have literally better goal difference than them. We've scored more goals than anyone in the league. Like we've scored 46 goals. There's nobody in the league. Man City haven't scored more goals than us. They've scored fewer goals than us. Like, this is... That's how numbers work, Paul. Higher. Yeah. Higher. Well, a... <laughs> City, yeah, Exactly. 
Uh, yeah, if, though, if, if, if we could defend and uh, keep that clean sheet every week, that would uh, be even better, wouldn't it? Just remember that De Gea did make a save, right, from uh, James Ward-Prowse free kick. Really good James Ward-Prowse free kick. Well, well saved by De Gea. He also, I think, punched one out from a corner. So, wonders. This is we want nine nil and De Gea punched one out from a corner. My goodness. There you go. Uh, it's it it probably fantastic. Southampton only had the corner taker in that that half of the field, mind you. <laughs> uh, uh, an incredibly fun game. I went mad when we scored the ninth. It was just like it's just so enjoyable to yeah. do that. I'm still fuming. We we got robbed of a tenth. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So yeah, fantastic, and um, and uh, let's hope for more freak results in the right direction as the season progresses. Probably can't expect too many nine nils since there hasn't been one since nineteen ninety five. But you never know. You never know. Well, at, at this this tick, it's once every twenty five years or so. So might might be able to get to see one before I I pop my clogs. Yeah, if you look after yourself. Yeah, yeah I do. I do. That's, that's why. That's why I work out every day. It's because <laughs> I want to see as many nine nails as possible. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, should we take a little break and then preview Manchester United nine Everton nil? Yeah, let's do it. If you want more can show in between shows, check us out on the socials. We are NQAT Pod on Instagram. Ed's at NQAT Pod on Twitter, and we are under our real names on Facebook at No Question About That. So. Um, I mean, that was a really weird game. Might not have been as weird as Everton's season, which is one of the weirdest seasons. They have they have uh, failed in their attempt to sign Odi Nigalo and have been forced to sign his less good replacement, Josh King, <laughs> That's or something right. like that. Well, yeah, the, the one that uh, Ollie really wanted, yeah. Josh King uh, at one stage was going to Southampton on deadline day and then somehow that didn't work out and he ended up at Everton, so... Uh, shenanigans around um, money and stuff. He's out of contract in the summer, isn't he, Josh King? So see where he ends up. What are the chances that uh, Ollie gets his best mate at Carrington um, in a summer in which United spend absolutely no money? We'll see. We'll see. But anyway, Everton started the season like winning everything, didn't they? they um, in all competitions, they won seven games in a row. Uh, in EFL, A lot of EFL Cup games in that, mind you. Um, but uh, and then went on this run of losing games, and it's been sort of you know hot and cold ever since. Yeah, so since um, since Christmas, they beat Sheffield United, lost to West Ham, beat Rotherham, beat Wolves, beat Sheffield Wednesday, drew with Leicester, lost to Newcastle two games ago. But then they bounced back from. So that's not like a bad series of results before you get to the Newcastle game, um, and then the the uh, the two one win over Leeds. Just exactly what the doctor ordered, isn't it? And after losing the ignominy of le- losing to Steve Bruce's uh, possibly relegation-bound Newcastle, um, a much much better performance uh, against Leeds, and they and they they pretty much deserved it. Leeds obviously had a metric ton of shots because they always do, yeah, um, but not that particularly like not massively high quality. And crucially for Everton, Dominic Calvert Lewin back on the score sheet, which is. You know, I mean, he's the only vital. person who scores goals for them. I mean, he's got twelve, and no one else has got more than four. That's James, and and James misses every other game through injury as well. So, and Ricarlison missed games. He's only got two this season. So they, you can see why they're inconsistent. And Ancelotti is is um, you know 
doing something with them, but uh, they need to score more goals, basically, if they're, if they're going to get into some European places, which was sort of seemed to be the goal earlier in the season. Well, yeah, their third highest goal scorer is Michael Keane in the league. So, you know, just, just goes to show. Now, what Everton are going to turn up against Man United? Is it going to be the sort of fairly slick passing, really creative, dangerous Dominic Calvert-Lewin Everton? Or is it going to be the sort of slightly stodgy um, midfield, not quite working Everton that, that, that's been around a bit recently? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Um, we, uh, what was the last result we had against them? We beat them, didn't we, in the, um, in the EFL Cup? And that was a good performance. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a good performance from United. You loved that. You loved that performance. That was your performance of the first half of the season. That was. You you said it was it was like really, really slick. I think that's the one I missed quite a lot of over Christmas. Yeah. But um, the first half they were really good. They, yeah, pretty good in that game. Um beat them at the end of was it the end of last no. season we beat them as well? So no, three one. We beat them in November three one. Did we? Um we've gone now. Two two Fernandez goals and a goal from Cavani late on. That's oh, right. I think I remember the Cavani goal. It was nice. Yeah, yeah. that's my um, memory of that game. So yeah. Anyway, um, that's rather boring conversation, wasn't it? Looking yeah. At why results. did we have that conversation? No idea. Just... No idea. But <laughs> anyway, uh, just to say that we've got some decent results against Everton recently. Uh, haven't lost to them since that abysmal four nil, um, the one that many wanted Oli sacked afterwards, and he might well have deserved it as well. Um, you know, if you'd got your way, you wouldn't have seen Tuesday's result, would you? <laughs> no, absolutely not. We've um, had Big I mean, Sam in charge, or Nuno, or some other waster. Uh, but instead, we've got Ollie, and we're clearly going to stick five past them. So, what we need is for Liverpool to bounce back from their calamitous, hilarious loss to Brighton. Um, I saw people retrospectively defending Jose Mourinho's Tottenham for having lost to Brighton because Liverpool also lost to Brighton, which was a very bad take. Um, but anyway, uh, people will defend Jose Mourinho under almost any circumstance, it turns out. But if if uh, if that happens, then we'll be back above City in the league. Um, except that's totally not true unless we beat them 7-0, which you can't rule out at this point. I think we can rule it out. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going on record ruling out Man United winning 7-0 this weekend. They've just won 9-0. Anything's possible. Anything is possible. Yeah. Yeah. We often score six. Yeah. Seldom 10, though. So... Yeah. And, and we nearly... We would have had the 10, but for Mike <laughs> fucking Dean. So maybe six. Uh, yeah. I mean, in all seriousness, in terms of the league table, we're going to need City to to falter quite badly because they're three points ahead of us with a game in hand with considerably better goal difference and than us, they're just so. winning all the time at the moment and the strength of their squad um, they weren't they were not great again against Burnley no but they're winning they're winning so and they got the early goal and that was it game done um, and, you know eight on the trot in the league and their squad strength would tell you that they are going to cope with the amount of games you know even if they're in the Champions League still um, better than most so yeah. um, I, I I would say it was a it's a big it was always a big stretch for United to to win the league obviously and none of us really thought it would happen but uh, no. I would say City are very heavy favourites but um, you know even 
even now we know that this United team are going to challenge. You know, they're, they're not going to be 30 points away from the winners. Uh, they're almost certainly, I would imagine, going to be less than 10 points away from the winners at the end. Uh, and they're going to keep fighting. And, it, they're, and they're going to be entertaining to watch most of the time. Now, it'd be nice to see that against um, next time we play City, wouldn't it? You know, rather than a really stodgy nil-nil. But um, that's the next stage of development, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll be here to cover all of it um, because that is the curse that was placed upon us by an internet genie who said, you will have to talk about Manchester United at least once a week, possibly twice, for the rest of your lives and there's nothing you can do about it. So... Yeah, we're on... This will be Rankcast... Rankcast? (laughs) NQAT, episode 486... Uh, what episode number the next time we win 9-0? <laughs> <laughs> it's a great question, yeah, because it was uh, minus a couple of thousand the last time we did it. So, uh, yeah. All right. Uh, I hope uh, we are still alive the next time Manchester United win 9-0. Uh, and on that cheery note, take really good care of yourselves and we'll see you after Man United 2, Everton 1. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go for a 2-0 with me for United. But if we win 9-0, I'm dying of laughter. <laughs> <laughs> Brill. All right, All right have a good take one. Take care, folks.